What does it mean to choose? Do you often feel you have no choice or that you have too many choices? And when you make a choice, do you feel satisfied and happy or not? Your Mindful Life Podcast. Hello and welcome, everyone. Today we're exploring choice. Choosing has to do with selecting among alternatives. Sometimes we think we have no alternatives, and then we realize that we do. A woman had always promised her mother that she would be with her in her last moments of life. This being together as her mother passed was very important to both of them. The woman shared, I never thought my mother would catch coronavirus, but she did. Her mother became very ill and was hospitalized. When the doctor told the woman that her mother was passing, she became very emotional. I wanted to be with her as I had promised, but I couldn't. The hospital was closed to visitors, and only medical personnel could be in the room with her. So the woman sat with what was happening right in that moment. Her mother was passing, and she couldn't be with her as she had promised. She described how she felt sad, how her heart ached, how she stayed with these feelings and allowed them to simply be there how she felt a change and realized that she did have a choice, and how suddenly another way of being with her mother came to her. She called her children and lit candles. They made a circle and invited her mother into the circle with them. They opened their hearts to receive her. They held her and let her know that they were with her. The woman called the doctor and asked him to tell her mother that they were holding her in their circle of hearts at that very moment. He let her know that he had done as she had asked. And in this way, she was with her mother as she passed as promised. This story points out how even though when we're not in control, Even when things aren't turning out the way we expected them to turn out, we can choose how to respond. By bringing mindfulness to the moment, by being aware how it is right now, by noticing how it feels, noticing our bodily sensations, allowing thoughts and emotions to arise, by being curious, allowing ourselves to open to possibilities, and allowing our perspective to shift, an appropriate response arises. This woman, like all of us, had a choice, react or respond. Reacting, she could have given in to believing that she could not be with her mother as promised, 
because someone else had put a roadblock in her way. It was someone's fault and she was a victim. She could have reacted by judging and blaming the hospital and the doctor, but she didn't. She chose to respond by allowing her feelings and staying open to possibility. From that, a choice appeared. She could include her children, her mother's grandchildren, and she could be with her mother as she passed in a different and very loving and meaningful way. In choosing to respond as she did, she freed herself from suffering. We may feel that we would never be able to do what she did, and yet we can, if mindful. Of course, if we don't practice mindfulness, it won't be there when we need it. With practice, we can be with whatever arises calmly and openly. The choice between reacting and responding doesn't include intellectual analysis, blaming, or hiding from what's happening. In choosing, simply allow what is happening without getting caught up in it. In choosing, open the heart, be curious, and allow possibilities to flow. Although it's not always easy, with mindfulness, a way opens. We never choose in a vacuum. There's always a context. We choose to respond rather than react within a context. The context guides us, so being mindful of the context is important. In the story of the woman and her mother, the context is her mother becoming ill and passing during a pandemic. We don't control the context. It is what it is. And the context can give us important information that guides us in our choice. From another perspective, we can see how having choice, having many alternatives, can lead to feeling life is unsatisfactory, while not having choice leads to creativity and freedom. The more options we have, the more energy we have to spend in making choices among them, in making decisions. All day long, we're making choices among multiple options. You might make a little experiment. Notice throughout your day how many choices you're making. And notice what happens to your energy and attention when you have many choices. You might also notice what happens to your energy and attention when choice is restricted. There are lots of daily choices that we don't even think about. We choose what to wear, not among two or three options, but among a closet full of options. Going out to eat, we choose from an array of restaurants and from big menus. We choose among an endless list of chores, tasks, and projects. Our never-ending to-do list exhausts us and sometimes overwhelms us. On social media, we flip from one app to another. Scrolling, scrolling, we choose 
to like this post, not to like that one, which one to respond to, which one to ignore. And then we wonder what's happened to our energy and our time. Where did our time go? Where did our energy go? Where has our attention been? Our energy and attention get all caught up in choosing all day long, leaving us with less energy and attention to actually live our lives. We only have so much energy and the brain consumes a lot of it. When we are deciding among choices all day, the executive part of the brain gets exhausted. This is why for many of us, it's difficult just to sit and be still in meditation. We are run ragged by the constant barrage of choices that are calling for our attention and we're exhausted. Imagine the space and freedom if we weren't habitually caught up in making so many choices every minute of the day. And no, this doesn't mean that you have to renunciate choice. It doesn't mean that you have to give away all your belongings, live in a house with no furniture, or abandon your smart devices. Maybe you've heard of people who have pared down their wardrobes to a few essential items. Why would they do that? Because it's freeing. Instead of having so much to choose from, there are fewer choices to make, and the attention and energy saved from endlessly choosing is now available for being awake and fully living. In 2016, James Altucher, an entrepreneur, got rid of almost everything, houses, furnishings, clothes, personal items, and pared down his belongings to 15 items. Others have done something similar, to choose to live without, to choose to live with just a few things. The people who make this choice will tell you that they made it to be free, Instead of thinking, I can have everything I want and that will make me free, they think, I will have just what I need and that will make me free. The just what I need is important because it signals that I know the context of my life and have chosen in a way that serves me and my daily activities. The truth is that wanting or desire never leads to happiness and satisfaction because we get attached to wanting. We want something, we get it, and then we want something else. We then feel the imperative to get that. And then the next thing comes along, and we need that too. We believe we are choosing, and we are, and the choice is leading us not towards but away from a satisfactory and happy life. How many of us are on the credit card treadmill, choosing to buy and buy, and then struggling to pay the minimum monthly amount, and realizing that we're in debt? Many of us are. Are we happy? We have a lot of stuff and a lot of worry, and it doesn't feel good. Life doesn't feel very satisfactory, 
when we're worrying about how we're going to pay for it all and we feel guilty for overspending. When I go on a week-long retreat, I bring just the minimum, a change of clothes, my toothbrush, and a moisturizing sunscreen, a mechanical alarm clock, and a watch. Nothing superfluous, no cosmetics, no electronic gadgets, no books. When I arrive, I turn off my mobile phone and put it in my suitcase. I eat what is offered at meals. I follow the schedule laid out by the retreat organizers. I bow before sitting and do whatever job is given to me. By eliminating choice, I have an abundance of space and attention for what really matters to me in the moment, meditation. I'm happy to have little or no choice within the context of the retreat. It brings me freedom and the energy to be fully alive. And when the retreat is over, I'm happy to pack my bag, put my mobile phone in my pocket, and head home. I remember the story, but not where I heard it, of a young guy who had spent some time in a monastery in Thailand. He had two robes, one pair of sandals, and a bowl. He begged for his food and followed the strict discipline of the monks. When he returned home to the States, he found it was difficult to choose. He'd go out with his girlfriend to a restaurant and get paralyzed having to choose what to eat. This paralysis is not what we're talking about. We're talking about paring down the choices so that we have energy for what's really important to us. The context is important. Retreat is a context. Living and working in a city is a context. Going to lunch with your girlfriend is a context. Limiting choice in the context is helpful. Limiting choice in spite of the context isn't. Having choice removed can help us creatively. When restrictions in form, materials, and theme are placed on us, our creativity blooms. Why? Not having choice, but having restrictions focuses our concentration and opens up new perspectives and possibilities. It fires up our creativity. Phil Hansen, an artist, in his 2013 TED Talk, Embrace the Shake, tells us that learning to be creative within the confines of our limitations is the best hope we have to transform ourselves and collectively transform our world. This is true in all our endeavors. By removing the overload of choice, we open to our possibilities and to our creativity. When we remove choice, we get in touch with all the ways we habitually ignore, manipulate, or try to control our experience. We suddenly realize what brings us happiness and how we want to spend our energy. And we can fully receive what life brings us. 
With the pandemic, my habit of regularly getting highlights was unavailable to me. With hair salons closed, the choice was removed under conditions that I had no control over. And what happened? I realized that getting my hair done was really inconsequential to my happiness, to my life. And I received this insight gratefully. I also realized I had been trying to manipulate how others perceived me. I had been caught up in self-absorption, and this self-absorption wasn't serving me. Underneath, it was feeding a negative image I had of myself that caused me a lot of suffering. And the funny thing is that I really enjoy and other people are always complimenting me on my pandemic, in quotes, hair, the result of restriction rather than choice. At some level, we are all wanting to shed the imperative of choice that pervades our daily lives. This is why I think so many people are flocking to meditation retreats and practicing meditation regularly. We want to rest. We want to recharge. We want to free ourselves from the endless choices vying for our attention. When we meditate and when we go on retreat, we accept the discipline, the restrictions, and we receive wholeheartedly the experience as it arises. We feel alive, awake, and free. So I invite you to eliminate choice or to pare down and curate your choices. A few places to start may be with social media, email and texting, and maybe also your to-do list. You might restrict the amount of time you spend every day on social media. You might only look at your email two or three times a day. And you might take that to-do list and cut it in half. We're all socially conditioned to be busy. We use busyness to signal worthiness in our culture. Reflect on how often when someone asks, how are you doing? We answer, oh, I'm so busy. We might remove some of the busyness from our day by paring down that busy to-do list. We might ask ourselves, what really matters to me? We might ask, is this really important right now? Do I need to do this? How will doing this serve me? And can I put this on the back burner? I encourage you to choose to respond rather than react, to pare down and restrict the plethora of daily choices so you have more energy to be aware, alive, and to create. I hope you enjoyed the show. I invite you to listen, subscribe, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. 
live online mindfulness meditation class is already in full swing, but you can still drop in. Book a signal class on yourmindfulpractice.com. That's yourmindfulpractice, all one word, dot com. And once you're there, click on book a class. And if you'd like to sign up for the newsletter, there's a link in the footer. So go ahead and click it. As always, I'm grateful to you, my listeners, for your attention, curiosity, and willingness to explore mindfulness. And I'm grateful for the people behind the scenes that make this podcast possible. Ali Allen in San Francisco, California, for logo and podcast cover design. Gorgias Romero in Santiago, Chile, for original music, audio engineering, and production. Bill Rafferty in Sydney, Australia, for technical web support and Margaret Haas in Los Angeles, California, for announcing the show. Be well, be mindful. Mm -hmm.